righty. Well, you can find your seats this morning. Good morning, church. All right. If I haven't had the chance to uh, meet you yet, my name is Tyson. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and we are so glad uh, that you've come to, to worship with us and to join us this morning. Um, in the summer of 1954, 22 fifth grade Boy Scouts were invited to spend some time at a camp in the summer. The camp was in southeastern Oklahoma, and there were two cabins that were set apart far enough that they were beyond seeing each other or hearing each other, and they each had their own swimming areas, they each had their own boating and camping areas. When the boys reached the camp, they were separated into two groups, each headed for the two different cabins. Both groups were unaware of the other 11 campers and the other cabins. The two groups were very similar. They were from similar backgrounds. Uh, they had similar families. They were matched as closely as possible for height, weight, and a list of other traits. And to the average person, it just looked like a regular kind of summer camp experience. But it was anything but that. The boys were actually being studied as a part of an experiment that was being conducted, and the experiment has come to be known as Muzaffar Sharif's Robber's Cave Experiment. And there are a few goals that the researchers wanted to study in these 22 fifth grade boys. First, they wanted to see how quickly group identity would be established among strangers. The second thing they wanted to see was how the two groups would conduct themselves in competitive situations. And finally, they wanted to see how group conflict dynamic would be mitigated after the fact. The, the two groups started in isolation. They were unaware of the other cabin and the other group of boys. And after about seven or eight days, the boys on each side had organized themselves. They had established leaders and behaviors, and the two groups even came up with names for themselves. We had the Rattlers and the Eagles. Those are good names, aren't they? You can tell that they're fifth grade boy names right there. And near the end of the first phase of the experiment, the two groups finally came into contact with each other and saw each other. And it wasn't long before there was this us versus the outsiders kind of rhetoric that started. The Rattlers made a flag and put it on the baseball diamond, claiming it as their own, saying that this is our baseball diamond. The Eagles saw that flag and chose to burn it and put up their own flag. The Rattlers, in return, burned the Eagles' flag and put up their flag back on the baseball diamond. Fifth grade boys, come on, here we go. The, the, uh, the other team then returned, but instead of burning it, they just tear, tore up the flag, and things kept escalating and escalating. The Rattlers re retaliated with a raid on the Eagles' cabin, turning beds over, ripping mosquito nets, stealing clothes and comic books. And things kept escalating to the point where the two sides met and they were going to have a fight. Think like West Side Story, like Jets versus Sharks, but it's Rattlers versus Eagles. And thankfully, before the fight got going, the staff stepped in and pulled both sides back. The study went on to see if there was a way for the two boys and the two groups of boys to work together. And that's the reason that it has become so well known is because it showed how quickly animosity and hostility can arise between two groups of people. Despite the 11-year-old boys being from similar backgrounds, there was this competition, this tribalism, and this willingness to be nasty to people who are not considered us. If you're a rattler, you're not an eagle, and if you're an eagle, you're not a rattler. The interesting thing about this story, though, is that it's not just a problem for Boy Scouts from the 1950s. Uh, 
Has anyone noticed that we live in a pretty divided world today? It's amazing to me that I could just say one word. I could say a name or a topic, and people would immediately divide into their sides of the discussion. We're not really that different than the Rattlers and the Eagles. The difference is that this experiment was conducted with 11-year-old boys who had almost everything in common. What about in our world today, where there are lines that are drawn along political, religious, gender, economic, and racial lines, to name a few? It can be easy in our world to place walls and barriers between us and other people. And to help illustrate this, I uh, borrowed my son's backpack and some of his toys today. Don't tell him. I borrowed some of his Duplo today, so hopefully he's not wanting to play with it right now. We can put up blocks and barriers between us. You voted for who in the last election? You did what during the pandemic? You think what about the environment? You believe what about abortion? You're from what faith background? And maybe most importantly, I shouldn't say most, but pretty important, are you a cat or a dog person? Listen, everyone is one or the other, and, and, and if you're not, you might be a cat person and just not know it yet. <laughs> I'm putting up bricks right now between me and the cat people, sorry. <laughs> Each difference can become another brick in the wall between us and other people. We live in a diverse country, and as the diversity increases, it can be even harder for us to live together with other people, and division can become even easier. We end up organizing ourselves into groups and communities of people who think like us, look like us, vote like us, and believe like us. We might not call ourselves rattlers and eagles, but we can easily end up just as divided as, and hostile towards people who are not part of our group. And I think that that's where today each one of us looks at the division in the world and the hostility and says, there has to be a better way. We have to do better than 11-year-old boys who are stuck at a summer camp together. There's got to be a way forward in the division and in the hostility. And this is where I believe Scripture is so helpful for us and offers us a way forward. And so we're going to turn our attention to Scripture now. If you have your Bibles, we're jumping back into Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in verse 11 today. It's a bit of a read, but it's so important for us. And if you're new to church or you're not familiar with what the book of Ephesians is all about, the Apostle Paul helped to plant this church in Ephesus, and he loved it dearly and stayed there and was pastoring among that community. And then a few years later, he's writing this letter to encourage them. It's a diverse church with different people from different backgrounds. And to this church, Paul says the following, starting in Ephesians 2, verse 11. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. And at that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with, the, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Let's pray today as we've read God's word together. Father, we look at this important passage of Scripture and we look at our world today and we say, God, give us eyes to see a better way forward. In this divided and hostile world where it feels like we are getting more and more polarized, not growing closer together with those that we disagree with, with our enemies, we pray that Jesus, you would show us a better way forward. So God, open up our eyes to see what you want us to see today. Open up our ears to hear you and give us soft hearts today uh, for what you want to speak to us. In your name we pray all this. Amen. The first thing that we see from this passage is that division is not a new problem. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, a church that was made up of primarily two groups, but instead of rattlers and eagles, it was the Jewish people and the Gentiles. Gentiles was just a way of saying anyone who is non-Jewish. And in the passage that we read today, we see that Paul uses the word hostility twice. There was tension in the church. There are people taking sides and posting things on their Facebook walls or their Instagram reels. No, wait, that's just today. My bad. There was tension between groups that ran deep within the church and the way that Paul talks about this is that there was a dividing wall between them. Going back to my son's Duplo, there was a wall between the two groups within that church. A barrier. And what is this barrier that Paul is referring to here? What is this wall of hostility? There's a couple important things for us to know about Paul so we can understand what he is saying here. First, Paul was a lifelong Jew and as a result, he was extremely familiar with the center of Jewish worship, the temple in Jerusalem. And here's a picture of what they thought, think the temple looked like in his day. The temple was made up of four different courts. On the outer court, you can see there was a court of Gentiles. That is as far as Gentile people could go within the worship of Israel. Then there's the court of women. Then there's an inner court for men and priests. And then in the very inner portion, there is the Holy of Holies. The place where the, the people of Israel believed God's presence dwelled. And one day a year, one priest would go into that place on behalf of the people of Israel. Here's another picture that we see, actually, that archaeologists found on, uh, in 1871 that shows what was inscribed to the Gentiles. 
It says, no stranger is to enter within the balustrade, within the barrier around the temple and the enclosure. Whoever is caught will be himself responsible for his ensuing death. They were serious about this. As John Stott points out, the sign did not say trespassers will be persecuted. The sign says trespassers will be executed. There's this gap between Jews and Gentiles, a literal wall between them when it came to the worship of God in in Israel. And so can you see how big of a deal it is that Paul says Jesus has come and torn down that wall? Here's how Paul puts it again. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. This would be shocking for both his Jewish and his Gentile audience. Paul is saying that where there was a physical wall that divided Jews from Gentiles, it has now been torn down by Jesus. The barrier has been removed. And breaking down barriers was not just something that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus did this all throughout his life and his ministry. I love the way Daryl Johnson sums this idea up. This is what we see Jesus doing from day one in his ministry. He breaks down all kinds of walls to offer a drink to a Samaritan woman. He breaks down all kinds of walls to go to a house of a Roman officer with a child who is sick. He breaks down all kinds of walls to touch those with leprosy and other kinds of uncleanness. Jesus is always jumping over and breaking down walls to seek and save sinners, to draw near those who were far off. The actual dividing wall would stand until 70 AD, but it was broken down in 33 AD by Jesus on the cross. There is no more wall. Jesus has taken the barriers that have been set up and he has broken down the wall between. Now we got to be careful with this cat and dog in the same area, but you get the idea. He has broken down the walls where there were physical, social, racial, gender, and religious barriers that people had put up. Jesus constantly took them down and went to the other side of the wall. He went to Samaritans, to women, to Romans, to those who were sick, to those who were far away, and he brought them near. And this is why the barrier that Jesus tore down was not just a physical wall in the temple, but the relational and metaphorical barriers that the law had put up between Jew and Gentile. Again, going back to our Ephesians text, Paul says this, In his flesh he made no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. Paul is saying here that there's also a metaphorical wall or barrier that is up, that has been put up by the law. Now, we have to be careful here. Is Paul saying that the law was bad? No, we see Paul say elsewhere that the law is not bad. And he reiterates that in other letters. So what is Paul saying about the law here? Well, Paul, as as a Pharisee and a lifelong Jew, has a very nuanced understanding of the law. Before his encounter on the road to Damascus, he was so serious about the law and about the, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, that he started persecuting Christians, believing that they were not following that law. Paul believed that God gave these laws to Israel. 
He believed that the laws were good and righteous and they were meant to be God's protection for Israel and a blessing to the other nations. God gave the law to Israel so they could be holy and a light to the Gentile nations around them. But if you know the story of Israel, or if you don't, how quickly does Israel break the law? The very next day. The law is given, Moses comes down with it, and the people are already breaking commands one and two, worshiping other gods and idols. So instead of the law bringing life, what Paul is saying is that the law revealed Israel's sin. It shone a light on, on their sin, and instead of Israel bringing light, it showed how Israel was falling short and just as broken and stuck as the nations around them. The point of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, is to show us that something is not working. We can see as we read Israel's story that it is more needed than just a right and wrong list of things that we can and cannot do. We need more than a list of rules. What Paul is saying is that we actually need a new heart. We need a new covenant. What Paul is saying is that sin has taken and twisted and hijacked the law, and where it was supposed to bring blessings to other nations, instead it has produced something ugly in Israel. Where it was supposed to be protection for Israel, it has instead caused them to put up barriers and to divide themselves from the nations around them. We see that the law has produced an Israel that is at odds with the nations. Here's the way that New Testament uh, scholar G.B. Caird puts it. Paul's point is that the Torah, intended by God to be a protective hedge, has been turned by the Israelite nationalism into a cultural system that has totally isolated Israel from the Gentile world and is thus responsible for the hostility between Jew and Gentile. What Paul is saying is that when we encounter the law, we see that it was meant to bring blessing, but instead of bringing blessing, it has actually caused division. The law has become a metaphorical barrier between Jews and Gentiles. And this is where what Paul says, Jesus has taken that hostility, that gap, that division between the two groups on himself on the cross. He has fulfilled the law and brought a new covenant so that what separated Jewish people and Gentiles is no longer there. All the ways that Jewish people had cleansed themselves before were accomplished once and for all on the cross. Again, here's how Daryl Johnson puts it. He abolishes the ceremonial law, all the supposed ways that humans were to cleanse themselves so they could approach a holy God. Jesus puts it all to death, for it is no longer needed. Jesus has fulfilled it through his death on the cross. He is the final sacrifice that makes all other sacrifices unnecessary. By offering up his life on the cross, there is no longer any need for the sacrificial system. No more blood needs to be shed. His blood is enough, and by his blood we are made clean. Where the temple wall and the Torah stood as barriers between Jewish people and Gentiles, we see that Jesus has torn down those barriers once and for all by being the final sacrifice for both Jew and Gentile. And it's why we get to sit here today. The wall that the law had put up between Jews and Gentiles was abolished by Jesus. 
And this is why elsewhere Paul can say to believers in the church in Galatia, there is no Jew or Greek, there is no slave or free, there is no male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all on the same playing field, all on the same ground, where there used to be a literal wall dividing Jew and Gentile in the temple and where the law had become a barrier between the two groups, Jesus has come and torn down that wall. He's broken down barriers. And Paul tells us that Jesus is now building a new temple. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it again. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. When I was 15 or 16, my parents got me an all-access pass to a concert. I got a chance to go backstage and to kind of see where the musicians were hanging out before they went onto the stage. I got to be during the concert, like right beside a stack of speakers, which is probably why I still have some hearing damage today. This all-access pass that I wore around my neck, just this simple lanyard, gave me access to go pretty much anywhere I wanted in that concert. And what Paul is teaching us today and saying to the church in Ephesus is that you have now been given an all-access pass to the Holy of Holies. The inner part where the priest could only go to one, one time a year, you have now been given access to that Holy of Holies by the Holy Spirit all the time. Through Jesus in one spirit, we have direct access to the Father. Is that not amazing? where there was literal walls stopping people from getting close to the presence of God, that is now available and open through the all-access pass that Jesus has given to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Where there were barriers before, Jesus has made a bridge for us and given us a pass to the Holy of Holies. Where there were barriers, I want us to see today that Jesus instead builds bridges. Where there were barriers between the groups, Jesus instead builds bridges for them to go across. Sorry, cats and dogs, you don't get to be a part of this illustration. Where there were walls that were set up, Jesus has torn those walls down and he has built bridges between those two communities. And not only are we given all access past to the Holy of Holies, but Paul says that now the temple where God dwells is actually his church. There were two words in the New Testament that were used for temple. One, hyon, refers to the whole temple area, all four courts. The other, naos, refers just to the Holy of Holies. And it is this word that Paul uses here for temple. Growing into a holy naos, a holy, holy of holies. We broken, sinful human beings being redeemed, becoming new creations. We constitute the new holy of holies in the world. We do not just go to the holy of holies. We are the holy of holies. As Jesus' followers, Jews and Gentiles together are God's new place where his spirit dwells. When we gather as his people, God's spirit and his presence is with us. 
And that is why there is no room for barriers. There is no room for division. There is only room for bridges now because God's spirit is the one uniting us and bringing us together. God is now living within us, not just being in one specific place that we can access one time of year, but we are now his moving and walking holy of holies in this world. And in a culture that is divided and hostile with barriers between Jews and Gentile, Jesus tore down the barriers and built bridges between us and God and between us and other people. Where there were barriers, Jesus has built bridges. Now, I got to admit to you, I'm very challenged by Jesus in this area. I have to be honest that I don't always get this right. It is so much easier for me to naturally put up barriers than it is for me to build bridges. I don't want to admit it, but sometimes I'm much more like those 11-year-old boys at camp that I mentioned at the beginning, seeing myself as a rattler and seeing other people as eagles. And at one point during the pandemic, I noticed that it had gotten to a place inside myself that I really did not like. When, when certain people or certain groups came up, the first thing that came to my mind was not, oh, what lovely people they are. The first thing that came to my mind is, man, they're dumb. And not just on one topic, on a whole host of topics. <laughs> and I realized this is not the kind of person that I wanted to be. This is not the kind of response that I believe Jesus would have for those people. And so I did an audit. What was making me feel that way towards others? And I realized I've been consuming a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of social media posts. And if I was honest with myself, these posts and these things were not making me love people more like Jesus. It was making me less caring. And it was making me dehumanize people that I disagreed with. I realized I had to stop watching certain channels and following certain people and accounts because they may have been informing me, but they definitely not, were not making me love people more like Jesus. What I realized and was reminded of in that moment is Jesus loves the people that I'm trying to put on the other side of the wall. The people that I'm trying to put up barriers, the people that I think are dumb, Jesus loves the people on the other side of the wall. And I'm reminded that where my flesh wants to set myself up as either an eagle or a rattler, divided and hostile to people who are not part of my group, the Spirit is working in me and in us as a church, united by Jesus to build bridges instead of barriers. So what does this mean for all of us? And this is where today's word comes into play. Posture. I want to ask today, what posture do you have? Do you build bridges or barriers? Jesus tore down the dividing walls of hostility, and he took that hostility on himself at the cross. And throughout his life, when people tried to put up walls, Jesus either hopped over them or completely tore them down. He welcomed people who should have been on the other side of the wall to a table to eat with them. He touched people who were sick and diseased and were unclean in that culture. He sat with people who were different than him and got to know their story. He loved those who could have been seen as his enemies. 
We see this posture so clearly and evident when Jesus is hanging on the cross and one of his final things that he says about the men who literally put him on the cross is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Talk about enemy love. Talk about people he could have easily put up a wall and a barrier between him and them. But instead he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right up until his final breath, his life was about building bridges and tearing down barriers that divide. And through his death and resurrection, we have all been given this all-access pass to God. And we are now called to be the temples of his Holy Spirit and bring the presence of Jesus into this world. So back to the question that we started today with. How is this dividing world going to be healed and changed? I would argue when Jesus' followers step into the world and bring the posture and the presence of Jesus with them. When we step around and over walls, when we break down barriers and bring his loving kindness to enemies and those that we disagree with, we can bring a healing change to this world. So let me ask again, which posture do we have? Are we bridge builders? like our Savior and our Lord? Or are we building barriers? And as we draw to a close today, I want to give you a practical, tangible, Monday through Saturday Saturday way to grow as a bridge builder. So let me encourage you, do an attention audit. American poet Mary Oliver once said, attention is the beginning of devotion. You could put it this way. Where our attention goes, our hearts are going to follow. Where we give our attention matters. If we give our attention constantly to channels and accounts that make us hate people we disagree with, that use rhetoric that just demonizes and dehumanizes those who are other, on the other side, if we watch social media posts and TikTok accounts that all they do is smack talk people that we disagree with, our hearts are going to become like that. And sometimes what we need to do in the midst of realizing that is we got to log off. We got to stop following some of these accounts. We got to stop watching certain news channels. We got to stop listening to posts from people who want to just set up more walls and barriers in this world. Because if we give our attention to those things, our hearts will move towards them as well. Instead of seeing people on the other side of the wall as someone made in the image of God, worthy of love, we will start to see them as our enemies. So let me ask you today, as you do an attention audit, who is an enemy in your life that's on the other side of the wall? Who is someone that is on the other side of barriers that you've put up? Instead of allowing our attention to be filled with things that cause further division, let me encourage us as a church to come back to scripture and prayer and say, God, help me to see others as you want me to see them. We have been loved by Jesus while we were his enemies, is the way that Roman puts it, Romans puts it. And in a divided and hostile world, Jesus has torn down barriers and built bridges. And this week, we get the opportunity as his new temples to bring his presence and his spirit with us and walk in his footsteps, building bridges in a world of barriers. So will you walk in that this week, church? It's not a rhetorical question. Will you walk in that this week, church? 
Will you be a bridge builder in a world that has lots and lots of barriers? Instead of adding more bricks to the wall, will you be someone who will take a brick out of the wall? Because that is what we get to be as his temple and as his people. So let's pray today as we wrap up. first thing that I'd love to pray for today is if there is anyone in the room that you've never heard that God has built a bridge to you, you feel separated, you feel distanced, you feel like you are on the other side of the wall from God, and you've never heard the good news that Jesus has torn down that wall and made a way for you to be right with God, for you to be close to God. If there is anyone in the room today that says, I want that, I want that for my life, it would be my privilege to pray for you. So if that's you today, I just encourage you to place up your hand right now. I'd love to pray for you. So anyone in the room today that wants to receive that love and that hope that is in Jesus. Father, thank you so much for this church and these people, this community of faith. Lord, this passage reminds us that we are your temple. We are where your spirit dwells. And so God, help us to walk in tune with that spirit. Help us to walk in tune with your posture, Jesus, to this world. Where in our flesh, we naturally want to set up those barriers, where we want to add more bricks to the wall, where we want to see ourselves as us and see others as them. I pray that you would help us to see today, Jesus, that we are called to be bridge builders. That we are called to love people that would naturally be on the other side of walls. That we are called to break down those barriers because that is what you did. And so we thank you, Jesus, that you took that hostility on yourself on the cross. And now we have direct access to you, Father. We have that all access pass to the Holy of Holies. And so today, God, and this week, help us to pay attention to where our attention is going. Help us to pay attention to if there are groups of people or if there are individuals who our hearts have become hardened towards and calloused, and help us to repent and to turn away from that, to turn back towards you so that we can bring your presence and your posture to this world. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. If... Uh, you are starting that new journey of faith today and you want to have a pastor to kind of come alongside you, we can encourage you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. One of our pastors would love to, to have a conversation with you and hear your story. Uh, as Pastor James mentioned earlier, there's a, a connect group fair in the gym. There's some coffee over there. So if you're looking to get connected uh, to a group or find out some more information about the groups, you just head straight through these doors over to the gym and there'll be some, some more information for you there. And lastly, there's encounter night tonight at 7 p.m. So if, you, if you're able to come, we'd love to, to worship with you tonight. Have an amazing week, church, and walk in the posture of Jesus this week.